Uh, out of class, gentlemen. Fighter pilots. Young JG, that's what Who? Me? And of course, Sam Chabu. Yeah, we back. Hartsfield Jackson, touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I. Yeah. Turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up. Young JG in the passenger, we know we keep the burn up. Everyone, this is Dallin. In this podcast, I sit down with my good friend Kyle Johnston. He is a fellow CFI here in Utah, and thanks to him, I have been able to get to where I am today with my hours and get hired by an airline and reach that 1500 mark because together we basically built time. He had a little tiny Cessna 150 and I had my Piper Cherokee and we would just meet up at the airport early in the morning and just fly all day until 1, 2 a.m. in the morning sitting at, at random FBOs in the middle of the night just hating our lives freezing our tails off, um, but thanks to him we were able to split cost and uh, get to our hours inexpensively. He's been a big inspiration and role model, and um, he's also a fellow entrepreneur, so we've been uh, good buddies, hit it off right from the start, and I'm very excited for you guys to meet him, hear his stories. He's been through a lot to get to where he is. He's very self-made and has earned everything that he has today, um, thanks to his determination and hard work. So um, you will enjoy this for sure. Um, today's podcast is sponsored by BeginToFly.com, the simplest and easiest way to get your private pilot license um, through online ground school and then getting connected to a flight school via our partners at a discounted rate. And then SIBO Marketing, Utah's Google experts. Um, they're great at SEO, pay-per-click. They will get more traffic to your website via Google. So check them out if you have a business in need of getting traffic. So thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Begin to Fly podcast. Uh, my name is Dallin, and I'm sitting down with my friend Kyle. Thanks for being on, Kyle. Hey, thanks for having me, Dallin. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. So, um, Let's jump straight into it. When did you realize that you wanted to be a pilot? So, uh, yeah, like your uh, listeners know, I uh, I didn't have a, you know, didn't have a dad that that flew, grandpa that flew, um, brother or anybody um, that was really in my life that had an influence of aviation at all. Um, and so I, it's kind of funny. So it was what I'd, I'd uh, go to youth nights at my uh, at my local church. Um, and I remember it was either a Tuesday or Wednesday night and I showed up and the, the young men were meeting, uh, up that night and we showed up at the church and they said, Hey, we're going to go tour the local airport. And I was living in Kennesaw, Georgia at the time. And so we drove down to, uh, Romeo Yankee Yankee, if you want to look it up, on the <laughs> but, um, that's McCollum field in Kennesaw, Georgia. And we pull in there. And it's, I think it was fall time because it was dark around 7.30 and um, they opened up a hangar door and it was just, I, I think I was 16, I was probably 16 years old. Um, and I just remember, it's kind of cheesy, but I just like the feeling I had, they're like, oh my goodness, I've got to like do this. And I didn't realize that the average person could just go out and get a pilot's license and they talked to us about, you know, how that could become possible. And the jets that were sitting in the hangar were just like, the most 
fascinating, coolest things I'd ever seen. And um, maybe part of it as a teenager was to impress girls and fly around. I thought that would be neat to be a young guy that could take a girl on a date flying. And I don't know, but I think there was a deeper passion that was kind of just like opened up when that, like when that tour happened of the airport, it was like, oh, wow. Like I had no idea this was something I want to do. And I remember going home that night and I stood at the, my parents were in bed already, you know, all tucked up under their covers. And I stand at the bottom of their bed and uh, I say, mom, dad, I'm going to be a pilot. And they were like, okay, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, like, I'm seriously going to be a pilot. And uh, literally the next day after school, I drove myself back to the airport and signed up for my first uh, flight lesson. And then, dang, I didn't know that. So, wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, that, that must have been nuts because your parents were like, uh, oh, mommy and daddy are having mommy and daddy time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go back to your room. But, um, no, that's, I knew that you wanted to be a pilot ever since you were a teenager, but I didn't know that it was like a youth trip. And that you like went home like that determined and the very next day you went out to the airport. So that's cool. That's something I didn't even know. And we've yeah, spent. And I, I, went out, I went out there and uh, um, I, I, I realized how expensive it was going to be. So that kind of bummed me out. And uh, I still signed up for that first flight. But then I worked. Uh, so I said, I. I I'm always kind of thinking outside the box. I'm trying to think of new ways to do stuff. So I figured, hey, if I could get a job down here, that would be cool because I could learn a lot. Um, but then they, bad news there. They said, I've got to be 18 years old to um, to work on the line and fuel planes and things. So I would go down there and I would hang out. And I even tried to get a job. I said, just let me take out the trash at night to be a part of this. Like I wanted to be a part of it <laughs> so bad. Um, and... Anyways, I, I kind of hung out down there for the next little while, and um, I didn't start flight training until I was actually 17, and then I ended up getting a job there and made flight lessons a lot cheaper than it could have been. So, No, that's awesome, because a lot of my students or people that want to get into aviation ask me, like, well, how do I do it? I don't have any money. I don't have any connections, and I just tell them, like, you got to go and just be an airport rat. You just got to like want it more than anyone else and the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil and you're a living testament of that like that's nuts that you showed up and you weren't getting paid you were just showing up showing your face (laughs) and offering to do whatever like that's that's legit that is really how that's og flight (laughs) training right there yeah thanks man i uh so I had a buddy named Nick. He was he was about a year older than me, but we we're actually in the same grade. And Nick Nick kind of had the same kind of bug hit him. He was actually on that little uh, youth trip thing that night, and we both kind of said, "This is amazing." But since he was a year older, so he turned eighteen, and he got a job at the airport, which meant when I had just turned seventeen, I could go hang out down there and so he actually got a job on the weekends he would work the night shift from 10 p.m to 6 a.m and i mean as a teenager my like i just instead of hanging out and doing the normal teenage things i would actually go to the airport with him and i'd like i wouldn't really fuel the planes and stuff but i'd be around and just to learn because i wanted to be a part of it so bad so i'd spend all night with him on friday night 
and sometimes Saturday night to just be around aviation and, and learn about it. But it's crazy looking back, like how little, you, you know, when you first get into it, you really know, like everything is just so, so foreign, but. Yeah, no, but that's crazy. That's, that's dedication right there. That's so cool. So you figured out that you wanted to be a pilot very young. And so you started trying to weasel your way into the system. When did you kind of break into it? When did you get a job or when did you start actually flying on a regular basis? Yeah, so I kind of hang out at the airport when I was 17 uh, with my buddy Nick. And then the day I turned 18, I, I don't know if it was the day, but it felt like it was the day I had a job lined up there because they, they knew me from hanging out down there. And they said, yeah, Kyle, right when you turn 18. And I, I guess it was some legal thing that you had to be 18 to work on the line. And I don't know if that's true anymore. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> they were just talking to each other like, okay, we're just going to tell this kid that he can until he's 18 and just hope that he goes away. Dude, yeah, I hope that he goes away or maybe he'll keep working for free for us because he's always down here doing stuff. So <laughs> I don't know what they were. Yeah, maybe he'll, he'll disappear, but I wouldn't disappear. So I turned, I turned 18. I got a job at the airport and it was pretty sweet. I mean, it was a, if I told the people on the podcast, I'll just tell them, I guess, but they're going to be like, well, you know, that's how you did it. But we had access to a couple little 152s. Um, and if you were a line guy, you worked there, you could fly them for like 25 bucks an hour. Um, and then you had to pay an instructor another 25 bucks an hour. So it was like 50 bucks um, being a line guy because the FBO owned a couple 152s. But so I'd say the, right when I turned 18, I got the job, I got that discount. And it was the only way I could possibly pay for it. I mean, my parents weren't going to, uh, there was no plan for them to help pay for anything. It was, I worked at the airport and I paid for my flight training. And then a few months after I was 18, I got my private pilot's license. That's awesome. I mean, that's a breath of fresh air because there's a lot of people that just go, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't have any money. Like life is so hard. Um, but you, you went out and you made it happen. Like, um, and obviously not everyone's going to be as lucky. Um, it's not going to come as easily to some people. There's not um, an airport around or whatever, or an FBO that offers that deal. But if there's a will, there's a way. And I think that's awesome that um, you're showing people that, hey, you don't have to um, have rich parents or strike oil to get into flight training. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can make it happen. I mean, Flight training, yeah, it's it's not cheap, it's expensive, but but it's something anybody can accomplish and complete. Yeah. Well rock on. So you got your private pilot license when you were eighteen? Correct. Yep. Cool. That's sweet. And did you automatically start your instrument rating? Um, did you just kind of put around with your private pilot license? Um, what was next in your flight training? Yeah, for sure. So I I mean how cool being 18 and getting your pilot's license. I was I yeah. like, I was on top of the world, you know? And so I would, oh man, I would, I, I kept working that airport job. So I had graduated high school at this point and I wasn't uh, going off to college yet because I was planning on going on a, a church mission trip. And so I kind of had a time between uh, high school and this mission trip that I just worked at the airport and I flew uh, a ton. Um, and 
most of my time was actually at night. I'd work the, I usually work the two to 10 shift and then I'd get in a plane after that and uh, go fly a lot at night with friends. We'd fly over Atlanta. My, one of my favorite things to do was fly over to, I think it was Gwinnett County Airport. Now I think, uh, I could be wrong, but I think it was Gwinnett County. They had a little restaurant there. Um, I finally got to do my, take a girl on a date, you know, that I thought was cool <laughs> when I was 16 would be neat. And um, we'd fly out, if anybody knows Georgia, we'd fly out over to Stone Mountain, over the laser show and fireworks. And I mean, we just had fun. We we, we kind of had a, a little uh, saying that basically if, if it was more than 45 minutes, if it was more than a 45 minute drive, uh, a couple of buddies and I at the airport, we would, uh, we'd always just fly to the, to whatever we we're doing, just go to the yeah. airport and do it. And so I didn't, I didn't start my instrument rating, uh, didn't jump right into it right away. I just kind of enjoyed the, the private pilot, uh, freedom and fun and the things you do as an 18 year old with a private pilot's license was I did for a, a handful of months before I left on that mission trip. No, but that's good, though, because a lot of times the flight training process can just be grueling. So it's kind of nice to just take a break and celebrate your win and, uh, yeah, just enjoy it for a little bit. So that's cool. And so you had all those fun experiences. Do you have any um, stories or anything that you want to touch on before we move on to the next step in your training? Um. No, not not at that point. I don't think I, yeah, I mean, cool. lots, lots of different stories and fun stuff, but nothing particular that stands out to me. Awesome. So you go on this church mission and while you're serving as a missionary, um, are you thinking like, I can't wait to get home so I can continue my pilot training um, or what's, what's kind of next in your mind? Yeah, I was, I was, I, I was kind of always thinking about flying, even on my, uh, so it was a two-year mission trip that I was on, uh, and and if I was in a certain area that had an airport, I would I would stop by it just to kind of watch airplanes <laughs> and be a super nerd and just like just like drool over it again, like oh I can't wait till I can, you know, go flying again. And I, um, yeah, the plan was to come home and and keep flying and uh, you know pursue through some more of the ratings for sure. Gotcha. So, uh, what happened when you came home? Yeah. So I got home. It was like, uh, I guess it was almost 2008. Uh, when I got home from this mission trip and for those that are about my age know that 2008, 2009 was kind of the, the great recession time. And, um, I got a job at the airport right when I got back home <laughs> again, <pulling laughs> airplanes, uh, and, and doing that whole thing, I got a biannual flight review, jumped right back into flying, and I started my instrument rating. And uh, and then I, uh, I I hung around too many grumpy pilots, I think. Um, <laughs> you, you hang out at the airport, good, but it can be bad, too, because you got a bunch of guys that are just disgruntled and just, they're, you know, they've, they're mad because they weren't making what they used to make and people were getting furloughed. And, um, and so I, I kind of, I kind of talked myself out of aviation, which is a sad thing to, to say. I wanted, I had buddies that were, you know, not making very much as regional guys and the upgrade times were, um, 
it seemed like it was just taking forever to upgrade to a, a major. And I kind of just said, why well, I don't want that uncertainty in my life. And I, sadly, I kind of talked myself out of it to go pursue a career in, in uh, healthcare, which I knew was uh, very secure. And um, I got recruited to go sell pest control door to door, ended up meeting my wife. Uh, then I moved out to Utah where I went to college. And before I know it, I'm kind of in a, a healthcare profession and and I and I let that whole uh, you know money is stressing me out I don't you know I'm barely surviving on my own barely paying for college like flying was always there and I would drive down to the airport and um, I actually went down to the local airport and got another job flying fueling airplanes during college because I needed to be around it uh, that's but, crazy um, but I but I didn't fly much because I I let that whole I wasn't doing it as a career, you know, I viewed it as a hobby and I guess I viewed it as something kind of more selfish to go do and not, um, you know, I should spend my money on, you know, getting my degree and finishing college. And so I kind of took a, man, I guess it was like an eight year break from private pilot. I mean, flew a little bit after that mission trip. And then once I started college, I didn't fly hardly at all. Did you fly enough to stay current or did you do biannual flight reviews or... No, so it went, it lapsed, uh, no, it probably lapsed about four or five years. Um, basically the time to get your, well, probably, probably almost uh, six years because undergrad was about four years. And then I went and got a master's degree, uh, graduate degree, which is another two years. So yeah, probably about five, six years. I just kind of let it lapse and I just knew that I could, I could get back into it with a, you know, a review and and start flying again. But, um, there I was just in school going with still based my basic private pilot's license and, uh, always thinking about aviation, but doing nothing about it. <laughs> so, Man. And were you like, okay with that? Or was it like killing you inside? No, I think it was kind of killing me inside a little bit. And I didn't realize that until I graduate, uh, from a master's program and I start working, uh, a job at the hospital as a, as a occupational therapist and work in the ICU and the orthopedic floor. And, you know, I've got a super secure job and things are good. And I, and then I realized like, I, I've got to at least start flying again. I got to get back into it. Um, and I, I guess in the, in the moment it wasn't killing me, but it hit me after that, man, I really, I got to start flying again. Like that was, that was a good time in my life. It brought me a lot of happiness. Um, and I wasn't planning on going and getting, you know, a CFI rating and things. I just wanted to start flying again uh, for the pleasure of it is where I was at at that point. Gotcha. Cool. So um, how how did that look? Because, I mean, as a married man who has a full-time job, um, did you have kids at this time? Yeah, so my first son was born in my graduate program. So he was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I was. And, and then I, shortly after, um, I got that job at the hospital, my wife was pregnant with twins. Um, <laughs> and so my twins were born when my oldest was 20 months old. So if you can imagine having a 20 month old kid in your house, and then all of a sudden you add two more babies to your house, uh, it's, it's pretty intense. We had, we were going through yeah. about 15 diapers a day right when they were born <laughs> between the three of them. And 
uh, yeah, things were, that's kind of a, that was a exhausting time in my life. Yeah. So, so how did you do it? Because I mean, there's, there's no way you're going to be able to just the traditional single guy, um, you know, mommy and daddy paying for his flight school. How, how did you do it? Like what, just imagine there's a Kyle Johnston out there like you who wants to get into aviation. He has a family. What, what did you do so that he can, he or she can pull ideas from your path? Yeah, I think I got so sick of uh, uh, listening to other people in my life or talking my myself out of something that I really wanted to do. And I just got to the point that I realized to truly be happy and to, to be, I don't know what the word is, but to just be fully myself, I needed to follow things that I was excited about. And I, I feel like up until that point, uh, I was doing things that I felt were uh, like I was supposed to do or the, the more responsible thing to do. And so I'm working at the hospital in uh, St. George, Utah at the time. And I've got a sweet schedule. It's seven on, seven off, like super cushy. And uh, um, I actually started a little business at the same time when my twins were little, which is a whole nother podcast. But so we've got this <laughs> thing going. And then one day I come home uh, to my super supportive wife and I couldn't do it without her. And I said, babe, like, I, I don't know if I can do this therapy thing forever, like for the next 35, 40 years of, you know, working life. Like I don't, and I've just, I couldn't get this like bug out of me to do that. I wanted to fly and do aviation. And, um, I made the decision a few years ago that I, I wanted to switch everything up and, uh, get my instrument rating, my sing single energy commercial, multi-energy commercial and pursue to uh, try to switch careers as crazy <laughs> as it sounds over to uh, uh, the airlines. Um, and luckily my wife, super supportive. And, uh, you know, she realized that, you know, I should go for it. And, but I think you, you just gotta, things are going to work out. You just got to I don't care what it is, whatever excites you in life. If you just, if you pursue that, you're going to be more successful than if you're just doing something because you think you should do it. You got to move forward with what you really want to do. And that, that's what drove me and to work long hours and to study and to change diapers at the same time and take care of kids and go back to work. And I just, I just knew I had to do it. So, so how'd you do it? Did you go to a local flight school? Uh, did you go? Yeah, there's so many different ways to, to finish up your flight training. What did you do? Yeah, so I, being the kind of conservative, like, I've got to do this the most affordable way possible, because I've got a mortgage, I've got, you know, little kids, um, got a family to support. I, 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 I thought if I'm going to do this, I need to do it uh, cheap. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. how, how can I do uh -huh. that? Uh, and so part 61 is the route that I decided to go. I didn't, cause then I could keep, I could keep working. I could run this little business I started. I could keep working at the hospital. And then whatever time I had left over, I could use for a uh, flight training. So I just drove down to the local airport in St. George. I, I did a biannual flight review, got checked out in their planes. And then I started uh, 
you know, started flying again, went and got my medical certificate and all that. And, uh, and then I realized that this is expensive. And so I did the math and I decided to go buy a, a little Cessna 150, 100 horsepower Cessna to, <laughs> to build a lot of time and just practice myself because I could, I figured with just gas, if I'm not putting money in for an overhaul and reserve and things, I could fly that thing for about 20 bucks an hour and do a lot of training and, and work through the ratings. That's awesome. That That's so cool. And I was lucky enough to have some time in that little airplane with you. And uh, Yeah, we got some good it, memories in that plane together. Yeah, what was the tail number again? Uh, 6724 Golf. <laughs> 6724 Golf. Yeah. Well, very cool. So what were the pros of going that way, getting your own airplane in Part 61, and what were some of the cons? Yeah, so I think, you know, looking back, and I, I tell myself, like, man, I don't know if I would have done it that way, actually. Like, I, I was all about saving money, and I think, you know, Part 61 and buying my own little plane, uh, I for sure saved money, like, no doubt, because uh, I could do it on my own time. Um, and I could, I could just make the expenses. I, it was all about just studying a ton on your own. Um, but I see the, I see the benefit of a part 141, like high, like huge. Like I would have loved to just stop everything. And, um, so for example, so since I did part 61, it took me, uh, like two years to kind of complete the instrument, single engine commercial, multi-engine commercial, and CFI. Whereas if I would have, and, or if I would have done part 141, I probably could have completed it in like six months and then also had all my hours in that time. So I was doing the math. Like if I would have done part 141, I probably would have been at an airline like a year ago or a year and a half, two, almost two years ago. Um, but I would have had, you know, a loan and where, since I did part 61, I, I don't have any debt from flying, but it, it took me a lot longer. Um, you know, buying a plane, it sounds, you know, really cool. Like, man, you bought a, like my plane, I bought it for 15,500 bucks in Atlanta, Georgia, then flew <laughs> it across the country by myself back to Utah in August. Like, um, like it was the cheapest plane that I could possibly find and fly. Yeah. And but then there's there's maintenance that goes along with that. I mean, I had a I had an annual inspection that was, I mean, the plane more than the airplane, and the annuals, you know, seven thousand bucks. And like it's like things come up, and so I don't know. I see the I see the pros, I see the cons, and some of the cons for me were that uncertainty of things just breaking and things happening to the plane. But after all was said and done, I did I did save money and it worked out. But I I see the benefit now of just like knocking it out and just doing it and just being done and getting your CFI and start making money from instructing. Like I, I kind of, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I look back now, I'm like, man, I probably should have just stopped everything and uh, just did part 141, but I couldn't really. I mean, I had three little babies at home and I need, I had so much to pay for and do. So I, I chose the route of, like, I would just, I would fly minimal with a flight instructor. I would study my butt off, like, and I would watch YouTube videos, and I would watch, I would just absorb anything I possibly could for the rating that I was working on. I'd practice as much as I could on my own, and then bring up instructors to kind of, like, verify that I'm 
doing stuff right basically and meet the the minimum qualifications of yeah um, the standards but but because i yeah i didn't have a bunch of money to go just do it yeah well i think the key is just there isn't the one way to do something there's so many different ways and it depends on the person and it being a pilot and wanting to do flight training you just have to be honest with yourself you have to say okay do i need to get this done asap or can i take a little bit longer do can i take out a loan or do i have you know four mouths to feed at home and um something that a lot of people don't do honestly and it can bite them really really hard is like how determined are you like how self-determined are you and if you're not that's not a big deal but you have to be honest with yourself because if you want to go part 61 and you tell yourself oh no no I'll, I'll study really hard i'll study every day i can do it i'll focus but you're not you're kind of lying to yourself what can happen is you can get into part 61 you start slacking with your studies you stop kind of scheduling your flight instructor because no one's pushing you to do it and you can just kind of fall off and fail a check ride and now that's on your record. Um, but if you kind of are honest with yourself and say, you know what, like I kind of have a hard time studying or I have a hard time doing this, I'm just going to sign up for like a very strict syllabus-based Part 141 school, then that's perfect and that will help you get through. But you were able to make that choice by being honest with yourself. And you as an entrepreneur with a family who's very self-made, self-determined, um, part 61 worked for you, but it might not work for everybody. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah. And that's why I have a hard time kind of answering that question because I don't think there is a right, you know, there's not the right way. That's why there is part 61 and part 141. You got to determine for yourself what, what makes the most sense. Like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Cool. Well, Awesome. Um, before we move on to the next question, I just want to know, like, what challenges did you face through your pilot training and getting your hours to get to the airline minimums and how did you overcome them? Yeah. I mean, people, I don't know. I think pilots like lie sometimes. They're like, yeah, pi pilot training is not that hard. You know? Yeah. I got through it. It wasn't bad, but I think it's a bunch <laughs> of crap. Like pilot training yeah. is hard. <laughs> it's so much studying, like, and it is I mean, it's a whole new language. It's, it's so, it's so much stuff. Like I remember I, so I went down to uh, Arizona to do my multi-engine add-on, my old multi-engine commercial instrument add-on after I had my single engine commercial. And I got a hotel down there. It was like this accelerated week long course to uh, get my multi-engine rating. And I like, after the second day, I was like, even after all my, you know, I had my instrument, I had single to commercial. I was like, I, I'm done. Like, I cannot do this. I can't handle this. Like I called my wife. I was like, I don't think I should do this anymore. <laughs> like, this is, this is so much information. Like, and I'm supposed to have a check ride in like four, three, four days from now. And uh, yeah, that was, that was one of the, the lowest points. Another, another low points that you have are just like, you know, it's just, it's hard. There's a lot to learn and you're not stupid if you're not getting it. Like, yeah, um, I think people are sometimes scared to ask the dumb question, you know, or, um, like, and paying for it's hard. Like the whole thing is 
hard, but there's nothing in my life that I have done that is memorable or has changed me or that has made me grow more than doing something that is is hard. I mean, you don't grow from the you don't grow from the easy things in your life. You grow from the things that are tough. And every single rating you get as a pilot, from private to instrument to all the way up to you know however far you're going to go, each one is a huge milestone, and you're going to grow and become you know so much better of a, a person. It sounds cheesy, but like it, you grow a lot from each rating you get. Like it's um it's tough and. You know, some of the, I'm trying to think of maybe one of the, the worst parts. Um, I don't know. I, I think just, no, but I mean, trying to, trying to not feel selfish and try to pay for it all knowing that I've got all these little babies at home that need me. <laughs> um, Daddy, you need food. Why are you wasting on flying? Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, kids. Daddy, daddy's got to fly. Um, I don't know. I, I have this bug. I, I got a, I got a virus, and um, I got to fly a lot. And I just look at airplanes. My kids are like, I don't think they have any interest in airplanes at all. Really, I push it on them, but well, I don't know. The whole no. thing is tough, and I, I don't think people should beat themselves up that it's hard and quit playing the game like that. Like, oh yeah, no man, I, I got a hundred on every test, and it's easy. And um, I don't know. That's a bunch of crap. It's hard. Yeah, if you get it, it's a big accomplishment, and and pat yourself on the back when you get your ratings and and your private because it's it's a it's hard. It's not easy. You know, I completely agree. Um, there's very few times in my life where I've sat there with like very little hope, and and have like have not seen the light at the end of the tunnel because yeah. I'm usually the type of person that. I can play sports or I can pick something up pretty quick and um, like things are difficult, but it's like very doable and you can see like the end goal, but aviation is one of those very unique things where the end goal is so far away from an economic standpoint, from a time standpoint, from like uh, an emotional standpoint, it wears your family down. It, it It's one of those things where, you literally look at all these other pilots that have smiles on their faces and are going to the airlines and you're sitting there scraping ice off of your wings and you're just like, how is everyone else doing this? How is everyone else happy? How is everyone like I'm barely staying afloat and it feels like I'm the only one that's struggling. And so it's really refreshing to hear your perspective because there were so many times where I just had to trust that there was a light at the end of the tunnel because I have a father who's a, a Delta captain. That's why I look at these first generation pilots and I'm just like, you guys are insane. Like you guys have something wrong with you because if it wasn't for my father telling me to just keep going, I probably would have just like not believed it was a thing that I could achieve. So for you guys to like do what you do without someone that has been there telling you to keep going, like that's, you guys are mentally insane. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is a virus. Like you get something that's like, <laughs> I gotta go fly airplanes. I don't know. I, I, yeah, those are the worst. Like the mornings, it's just freezing. You'd rather be in bed, but you go out to the plane and fly because you know you got to build the time for the next rating, and you got to fit it in before work because you got to be at work at this time. And it's yeah, you just feel like, what the crap am I doing? Is this even worth it? Like this is stupid. Like yeah. I, well, but but it is. It's cool. I mean, it's cool to 
it's it's flying's a unique thing and you and you join this unique club that that you know the majority of the population could never experience yeah and that that's the important thing is it's so hard and it's important that we touch on that so that the pilot who's struggling right now that listens to this knows that they're not alone but at the same time it's fun it's an incredible thing that we love doing and we don't do it just to torture ourselves we do it um, because we all have a love for for this so i i remember you invited me over for dinner once and on the way out i <laughs> i saw that you had like your commercial multi-engine like um, in a plaque it's like a <laughs> it was like a diploma looking thing i'm like wait did did you get like this from the faa and you're like no my wife made it for me <laughs> Yeah, did, no, you, you did the FA didn't send you one of those when you got your uh <laughs> no, I've got these yeah that's that's funny because I've got these diplomas you know undergraduate degree and um like what was my undergraduate exercise science and then a master's degree in therapy and like I like those were like those were kind of, those are hard but like the flying stuff was like a family effort my wife had to be totally on board um for me to be gone weird hours and training and you know, studying for check rides until three in the morning. So I, you know, just knew all the knowledge. And she was like, I forget what she said, but she was like, these, this was a lot of work, like not only for you, but like the whole family, like we're, we're putting it up here and showing it <laughs> off. Like, this was harder for us than any of these other degrees. So yeah, she like, she like copy and pasted like the FAA director's signature and like put it on it to make it look like a real diploma. <laughs> I was like, I was like, babe, that is, she's like, nobody will know that's not a pilot, that it's not real. I was like, okay, uh, they're, well, they're, not up, they're not up right now. But um, yeah, we had those up for a little bit. <laughs> well, the thing is, I thought that was, um, at first I'm like, oh, that's so cute, you know. But then I thought like, no, that that is evidence of someone understanding how difficult it is and like how big of a deal it is. Because I often felt like I was the only one that thought it was difficult. And to see someone else appreciate what they had been through as much as you did by making a cute little plaque, I, I thought like, you know what, like, that's awesome, because this guy gets it. Um, so that's very cool. cool. That's cool. But so yeah, um, let, let's uh, jump ahead. Um, there were so many dark, cold, hard nights that you and me suffered together and individually to get where we are. But tell us, what, where are you now? What do you do? And um, tell us all about it. Yeah, so like it's kind of like that light you're talking about. Like I finally feel like I, um, yeah, I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm not at the, I'm not at a major airline. I'm not even at a regional airline. I'm not even flying anything other than uh, flight instructing. But so I got my uh, flight instructor rating back in, I don't know, just the beginning of this year. So handful of months, five months or so that I've had it. And so life right now is pretty cushy and it's good. So I work uh, home health. Uh, so I do home health visits uh, for occupational therapy. I, I schedule those on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then that's kind of like to pay the bills and, you know, make sure everything runs in the family. We've got another child now who's um, he's 20 months old. So we've got four kids under six. Well, six, well, I guess Zach just turned seven, but anyways, we got a, a whole house village full of people here. But, um, <laughs> so we've got four kids 
seven and under. That's, I guess, what it is. And the twins are now five. And then our youngest is, he's like 20 months old. But uh, so I do home health Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then I flight instruct Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes Saturdays. I just, I just have a handful of students that I'm super flexible with because I'm free on those other days. Like uh, today, one of my students passed his private pilot check ride. I was out at the airport. And Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, it was kind of a proud daddy moment, you know, like he's like a guy oh, yeah. my age and I'm like so happy for him. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like you like it just feels so good to to share that with someone and and the work that he put in to get to that point and to be a part of that and to know that you helped him through it. And I, I really do. I mean, like for an example this morning, like so like this is like the perfect day. I woke up. I mean, besides waking up super early, but I was at the airport at 5.30 to meet with one of my other students. And oh, wow. we, we took off and we watched the sunrise over the Wasatch Mountains, over the Great Salt Lake. And like, I'm sitting there getting paid to to fly around. And whereas like the last couple of years, I've, every time I'm in a plane, I'm just looking at the Hobbs, you know, tick away and like, oh, please don't tick another time before I shut this plane off because I don't want to pay <laughs> extra 15 bucks. Like hurry and shut it down. Like turn it off, turn it off. But now, yeah. like, let's push it back to the hangar. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just stop it here. We'll push it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, now it's like, yeah. I woke up this morning, got paid to go fly around with this uh, guy who was, you know, someone who probably will be a friend forever. Uh, teaching him something that I'm super passionate about, and um, yeah, no, I'm not a, like major airline captain right now, making like killer big bucks, but. I get to fly for free and get to share what I really love with other people. And, you know, yeah, so I started with him at 5.30 this morning, watched the sunrise. Then I did some of my home health visits because I was trying to fit some in with, anyways, a typical day today. But, um, and then my other student passed the check ride night. Like, it was just a, it's just, I don't know, it's just fun. And I That's really awesome. do flight, like flight instructing and, uh, you know, all that work you put in is, is totally worth it. The first time you get in a plane and you don't have to pay to be in there is like the coolest feeling ever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. So, so cool. So what, what advice do you have for aspiring pilots that are either in their flight training right now, or they want to start and they basically want to be Kyle Johnson. They want to get paid to fly. What, what advice do you have for them? Cool. Yeah. So I think I listened to too many grumpy pilots and they talked me out of like pursuing what I really wanted to do. Uh, that happened when I was, uh, younger. I mean, I'd, I'd sit around the airport when I was 18 and, and like people would be like, Oh, you can never be a, uh, you can't ever be a captain for Delta unless you did this, or you can never fly for Delta unless you did this, this, and this. And and you, you'll never be able to fly in the military because of this, this, and this. I'm, and then, like, looking back on I'm like, those are a bunch of idiots. Like, you don't, I don't, you're going to have all these people that are saying the reason you can't do something, but obviously people are doing it. Like, obviously people are flying for Delta. Like, obviously there's military pilots. Like, obviously, like, people are making it happen. So don't listen to the people that are saying you can't do something. And I think... I listened to too many people like that for too long and believed them. That would be my biggest advice. And then uh, second, just just try to do something every day to keep learning uh, about aviation. And so even like after you get your private pilot's certificate, 
uh, you know, people always say that, you know, once a pilot stops learning, there's something wrong, but that's, it's really true. You like, I don't care how many hours you have, you got to just keep, keep learning and keep growing and be humble about, uh, learning new things. And don't be the guy that pretends like he knows everything. Just be a sponge and keep absorbing and keep, uh, keep progressing. That's what's going to make you a safer pilot and, um, really be successful, but, and it, and don't get discouraged when it's tough because it is, and don't listen to the, some prodigy kid that, I don't know, that thinks he's the best pilot ever and says it's super easy because, um, he's, he's lying to you too. It, it was hard for him too. It's, it's not easy and just keep moving forward. That's awesome. Rock on, man. Well, yeah, that's, that's a perfect way to, to wrap up. Um, unless you have any other more advice or stories, anything you want to, to get off before we, we wrap up here? Um, yeah, join Dallin's online ground school where you can pass <laughs> all your tests like a, like a rock star and so you don't look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, no, I appreciate having me on Dallin. That was fun. That was kind of yeah. fun. I, I forgot, you know, kind of, it's kind of fun to think back to all the stuff that kind of led me to where I'm at and yeah I'm not the you know senior captain at Delta right now but I'm 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 pretty happy being a flight instructor and having the life I have it's and having aviation a part of it right now so it's, yeah it's cool um I watched this video about um the, the whole purpose was showing a lady she was having a really rough day and the whole purpose is that you don't really know how much good you do. She had all these things that she needed to get done on her list and she had to prepare her kids for school. Like she had to, you know, someone asked her to watch their daughter while they went to a doctor's appointment and she kind of dropped everything that she was doing to do so. And then she had to make dinner for a family who just had a baby in their neighborhood and um, everything was just going wrong throughout the day. Um, and she just kind of broke down at the end of the day. Um, but then it kind of rewinded and it showed that every little thing that she did, like really, really helped someone else. Like when she watched that little girl for her friend, her friend went to a doctor's appointment where she was battling cancer. And then she, um, made that meal and it didn't feel, you know, very significant. It was a very rushed meal that she barely remembered to do, but she dropped it off. And then it showed the other family um, exhausted and, but they were eating the meal and the father was up in the middle of the night with his newborn baby eating from the dish that she had made them. And these little tiny things that we don't think are a big deal are a really big deal for other people. And the reason I'm telling this story is because you are kind of like that for me. Um, where I am today, um, there's a couple of people that I can thank, but you are definitely one of the, the top five. When I think of where I got to or how I got to where I am today, Kyle Johnson's on the top of the list because you split time with me. You pushed me to be better. You kept showing up even when I didn't want to fly. And um, you dragged me out of my house so that we could go build hours together. And even though you just feel like you're just a, you know, an insignificant CFI or whatever. Um, my family and all of my, my 
15 month old boy and my future kids and my wife have you to thank because you were a huge inspiration to me and continue to push me. So um, I would just add, find friends like Kyle Johnston and find people like that that are going to push you to be a better pilot and get you to where you need to be. So thanks so much for being my friend, for being an awesome pilot and for being a part of the podcast. Thanks, Dallin. That's real nice of you, man. I I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, that's that's huge. Just having if you can have someone that you feel like is in the same boat. Maybe they're not in the same financial boat or same kind of economical stage, but the 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 aviation, I guess we should say plane. Be in the same plane. <laughs> but, um, but if you can be in the same, and and you and I were in the same plane for a, like hundreds of hours together. Um, but uh, it uh it makes it so much easier if you can just say you have someone on your like hey dude i really don't understand like what the heck is this talking about true course magnetic heading magnetic course like yeah. you know what the like to be able to just brainstorm with someone and not have to sit on your computer and google stuff or you know have to pay your instructor ground time to go meet up with them to learn it like someone that you can just be real with and talk to so like finding a friend maybe you know, someone that started flight training at the exact same time you at the airport and you guys can just uh, go out to lunch one time and get to know them. But yeah, that's real nice of you, Dallin. I, I appreciate it, man. I, uh, yeah. And I, yeah, you've pushed me a lot too. So I, I'm grateful for you. Cool. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much. And, um, if you are a student looking to start your flight career and you live in the Salt Lake area, reach out to Kyle Johnston and um, we'll be happy or you can reach out to me and I'm happy to pass you Kyle Johnston's information. So thanks so much, Kyle. Catch you later. Hey, thanks, Dom. See you. Woke up in a vet, headed to the jet. It's a set. Run up, good up. Where's the weapon? Scheming different levels. Inception, catch that interception. Run it till it's OV, OG. Pass, pass it to the worthy. RSK, let it play, boy. We be killing it most days. Our bonds are tight with no phrase. Welcoming most strays. Mashing up with the most base. We've ended up okay. And our whole crew's here to stay. Dogs have left the pound, boy. We ain't here to play. By now, you gotta know the kills on the roof. We got the flow. We go, we go, we go, we go. We show, we show, we show, we show. Killing it from the backseat. Bending with the chick in the back street. You never ever gonna pass. We at long, we ball in the 5G. Dropping weight on takeoff roll. Last call. Look